Calvary Chapel of Nashville, and uh, it's always very encouraging to kind of hear what the other churches are doing and to see what's happening all over the world. It was interesting. We had a missionary from uh, um, Ukraine, and we also had a missionary from Russia, and that's the power of God, that he can have those two types of people in the same place because our hearts are to serve God, and probably... For me, one of the highlights uh, was one of the missionaries shared that uh, their kind of their tagline for their ministry is love them until they ask why. I thought that was ingenious, that we would love people until they ask us, why do you love me? Why do you care for me? Why is it you do the things that you do? Why is it you are at peace in the midst of turmoil? And that's because of Jesus Christ. And so we have that opportunity to understand that. So as we come to this next section in chapter five, we need to remind ourselves what we've already learned because really this next section goes along with what we talked about last week. And last week we looked at walking in the spirit and the importance of walking in the spirit, walking with the spirit, directed by the spirit, guided by the spirit. And and that we need that in our lives, do we not as believers? Anybody need it? Yeah, we need to walk in the spirit. And we talked about walking like God. We talked about walking in love and we talked about walking in light. Those are the three things we learned last week. Well, this week we're gonna talk about walking in wisdom, walking in the wisdom of God, not man's wisdom, right? Man's wisdom can only go so far. Uh, but God's wisdom, infinite wisdom, heavenly wisdom is what we need to navigate these times. And James tells us in 3.17, he says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The wisdom that comes from God is so different than the wisdom that comes from man. The wisdom from man can come from a place of pride. The wisdom of man can come from a place of, uh, I mean, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Emptiness, really. It's a wisdom that doesn't last. God's wisdom is eternal. God's wisdom lasts forever, and it would do us all well as followers of Christ to seek his wisdom, wouldn't you agree? God's ways are beyond our ways. Do you believe that? God's thoughts are beyond our thoughts. Do you believe that? Listen, there's smart people in this room. There's people in here that are very wise, but there's still a limit of our wisdom, and that's in the flesh. There's only so far we can go, but if we're submitted to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can enlighten us to greater and deeper truth. That's what we need. Whatever you've got going on in your life, whatever you're dealing with, I can assure you, you need wisdom from God to navigate those things, to help you make those decisions. My question to all of us, do we invite God into all of our decisions? Do we invite God into the choices and the things that we are trying to do in our lives? God, I need your wisdom. I find that when I'm not seeking God's wisdom and I'm leaning on my own wisdom, I get frustrated, I get discouraged, I get fearful. But when I trust in God's wisdom and trust that he's in control of everything, you heard me in my prayer, God, you're in control of everything. That's true godly wisdom. So looking at verse 15, Paul says this, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So as Paul looks at this next section, and again, we're talking about wisdom, we're talking about walking in the ways of God, we're talking about being submitted to the Spirit, uh, the importance here we see, uh, again in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Hmm. See that you walk, see that you live, see that you act, see that you respond in this world in the right way. See that you walk circumspectly. This word circumspectly means to walk carefully to understand where you're going, to not just live your life haphazardly. You know, the world out there is just living their life, not any recollection, not even any consideration of God. In fact, I would even submit the opposite, hatred towards God, hatred towards God's people. But Paul says, walk circumspectly, walk carefully, walk in wisdom, walk as wise people, not fools. You can be the dumbest person on the planet, but if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the wisdom from God. And therefore, God can guide you and direct you in your life in the things that are going on in this world. Oh, how we need God's wisdom. Wouldn't you agree on any topic you pick in this world? There are a lot of different opinions. That's the, that's the hard thing to navigate in our world. This opinion, that opinion, this opinion. No, you know what we need? We need God's opinion. We need to know what God's heart is on a situation that's are, are going on in our life. And God knows everything. And he gave us a book to understand that we can trust him. Do you trust him this morning? Is your trust completely in him or are you waiting for some other savior? No, we wait for Christ. And we understand that Paul says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We definitely live in evil days, wouldn't you agree? The Apostle Paul was living in very evil times. Sexual immorality. Uh, man's wisdom was rampant in, in, in the days of the Apostle Paul. You know, mysteries and philosophies and all these ideas are out there. And there's... Good ideas out there, but if they're not guided and directed by the Lord, then they're, they're empty. They're not eternal. So walk that way. Be not a fool, but as wise. Uh, know what God wants. You should walk circumspectly. You should walk carefully, wisely, not as fools, not as the world. A Christian ought to walk in such a way that you know that he is a, that he is a child of God. People should look at your life and see that there's something different. We cannot be like the world. We should not be like the world. We should respond differently. Otherwise, we just blend in and no one would ever know. 
that we belong to God. He says in verse 16, redeeming the time, redeeming the time. Uh, the idea is, notice it's the time. I've got news for you this morning. You only have so much time on earth and that's your time. And Paul says, redeem it. Bring value to the time that you have on this earth. The older you get, the more you wish you listened to people when you were younger to tell you time goes by fast, right? The time goes by fast and it just keeps on going faster and faster and faster. The Apostle Paul says, redeem the time you have. This word redeem um, speaks of seize every opportunity. Seize every opportunity. You only have so much time in a day, only so many minutes in an hour, <laughs> only so many days in a week. It's are you using your time wisely in the world that we're living in? To, to walk in that wisdom and to redeem the time. Listen, whatever you're doing, whatever you do in your life, are you inviting God in? Whether you just go for a walk or you're one of those people that likes to jog and you're out there running and you're huffing and puffing and oh, when will this next mile pass up? Instead of being consumed with that, what about turn it into a time of prayer? Turn it into a time of thanking God. I mean, he talks about being thankful and he, to, to spend that time focusing on God, bring God into your situations. That's redeeming the time. That's taking advantage of the things that are going on in our lives and redeeming the time means inviting God. Another way of looking at it, seize every opportunity. Make the most of your time. Time goes by fast. Isn't it funny? At work, time goes slow. But when you're doing something you enjoy, time goes by fast. Isn't that interesting? Does it have anything to do with our attitude towards those things? Does it have anything to do with our attention to the details? Guys, I would encourage us all to do our best to invite God into our day and to redeem the time as the apostle Paul says. Why do we do that? Did you see the rest of the verse? Because the days are evil. We can't as believers just sit and let life go by. We have to participate. We have to get involved. We have to be a part of what God is doing. And if there's anything I take away from our missions days for Calvary Chapel Nashville is our time to hear about what God's doing in all over the world. It, it, it increases our understanding of the enormity of our God. You know, sometimes we only think God is only working in our life. No, he's working everywhere and doing amazing things and we can be encouraged by what God is doing in each other's lives. But if we're not redeeming our time, if we're just sitting on the sidelines watching life go by, we're gonna feel discouraged. Paul says grab onto it and participate. How does God want you to use your time here on earth? I encourage you this week, be more mindful of the Lord. When things get hard, when you get frustrated, stop and focus on the Jesus. Focus, focus on the Lord. Focus on him. Invite him into the situation. I will assure you he will bring peace into your heart. 
right? That peace that what? Surpasses all understanding that the Bible talks about. That's what God wants. Galatians 6.10, Paul said this, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Maybe God will put somebody on your heart who's another believer that needs some encouragement. God has an amazing ability to put someone on your heart that needs to be encouraged right in that moment. Don't negate those. Don't think, oh, that's just a fleeting thought. No, understand that that's the Spirit revealing something to you and to meet uh, a need or to just reach out to someone and encourage them. Years ago, when I first was in ministry, and we would go on missions trips to Peru or missions trips to Haiti and different places. You know, we didn't have the internet like it is today. We didn't have the ability to stay connected to missionaries like we do today. And one thing we talked about yesterday is the need to encourage our missionaries that are out in the field. And I, you know, I think of Suzelle, of course, in Haiti. We have opportunities, guys, every day to say, you know what, I'm gonna pray for Suzelle, I'm gonna pray for Lakai Tamun, I'm gonna pray for the students, I'm gonna pray for that community, and here's the great thing, I can email her, I can text her, all hours of the night, she'll answer you. Kidding. Her internet isn't that great, but it is. it does get through. And what's interesting to me is now that we have the technology to reach them, why aren't we? Why aren't we? Why, why isn't there something in our Bibles or something in our homes that remind us to pray for somebody? Every single missionary that we talked to was like, please be praying for us. Please be praying for us. It can be lonely in the mission field. And it's great that teams go, but there's a whole lot more weeks in the year than just one or two that we might go out there and encourage them for that week. So I hope we would all just ask ourselves, and certainly Suzelle, but maybe you know other people that are on the mission field. They just need to know people care. All you, it, it's nothing wrong. Just, hey, I want you to know, I was thinking about you, I want you to know, I was praying for you. Or maybe even ask, how can I be praying for you? What's going on in your life? Now, that's a missionary. Don't we all need that? Wouldn't you agree? We all need that. And if we need that, how much more do they need it? Because I find in my life and in People's lives, sometimes we can think we're the only one going through what we're going through. But we're not. We're all human. We're all going through very similar things and we all need that encouragement. So, redeem the time because the days are evil and the enemy wants to discourage you and the enemy wants to take you out and the enemy wants to destroy any vision or any heart that you have for God. Well, redeem the time. Turn it around and let God show you Thank the Lord for the things you see around you. I would even submit even the difficult things, right? Because what? We know that the testing of our faith produces what we hate, patience, right? Knowing that the testing of our faith produces, so thank God for what you're going through. Changes your attitude. Pray about the things that come to your mind. Redeem the time by bringing the Lord into everything you do. Is God everywhere? Does he know everything? 
So even the idea of bringing God into it, God's already in it. But maybe you need to be in it. Maybe you need to participate with God. And maybe God will show you how to navigate that situation. Maybe God will show you how to navigate that thought or that decision that you need to make. That's redeeming the time. The days are evil. Jesus said it this way. He said, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I see this as our society today. There's a lack of love. It should not be that way in the church, guys. We should love each other, care about each other, and be involved in each other's lives. But the world out there, they're hard, they're, they're hurting, and we are living in those days. The days are definitely evil. And then he says in verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What's God's will for your life? Do you know what it is? Do you know what God's will is for your life? Maybe some of you younger people don't really know yet. I always like to remind myself of our church verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if you didn't know God's will, that's it. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, not for everything. In everything, give thanks. Be thankful. That's God's will for you. Can you rejoice even in a difficult situation in your life? It's hard, isn't it? It doesn't just come naturally. But when you love God, when you love the Lord, and when you know how much he's done for you, how can you not get to a place where you rejoice always to know that you're a child of God? And if you're here this morning and you are not a child of God, I've got good news for you. Today could be your rebirth. Today, today, today could be that day where you say, you know what, I need Jesus in my life. And you finally make that decision to invite him into your heart, to invite him into your life, to trust in him. Because maybe what you've been trying to do isn't working. Maybe what you've been trying to do is difficult and hard. Here's the great news. It might still be hard, but you can do it with the Lord in your life. And man, it is always nicer to go through something difficult with someone else, right? Nobody wants to show up to school late unless somebody else is walking in with them. It's like, oh, at least I got somebody to enjoy my misery. No, don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Know his will. And my friends, his will is to use your life. His will is to give you his wisdom, right? Uh, what is, is it in James? If any of you lacks wisdom, what do you have to do? Ask of God. If any of you lacks wisdom, just ask God who gives liberally. When you don't know the answer, guess who does? Ask him. He'll give that to you. So know the, know the will of God. Walking in wisdom means knowing God's will for your life. He goes on in verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This verse is one of my favorites uh, in this book, uh, in, in Ephesians. Do not be drunk. I would underline that in our Bibles. It's actually... <clears throat> 
hard for me to grasp that a spirit-filled believer would still get drunk today. Bible says, do not be drunk. There's nothing wrong with drinking. Nothing wrong with having a glass of wine with your meal. Nothing wrong with having a beer, whatever. I don't drink, never have. Since I've been a pastor, let me rephrase that. <laughs> it's like, that was wrong. <laughs> Immediate conviction. I used to drink too much. But as believers, we are not to get drunk. Now, we can justify it. Hard day at work. A lot of financial stress. Listen, he says, do not be drunk with wine or whatever you want to fill in there for a drink in which is dissipation, which is a waste, but be filled with the Spirit. Instead of relying on alcohol to numb the pain, let the Spirit fill you and encourage you in your situation. When you have a tough day at work, guess what? Spend time with the Spirit. Ask the Spirit to come over you. Ask to be filled with the Spirit. And that's what he's talking about, filling ourselves with the Spirit. I have never in my entire life, and I don't think I ever will, hear someone say, man, ever since I started drinking alcohol and getting drunk, my life has never been better. <laughs> right? Quite the opposite, I would admit. Now, I'm a bit prejudiced because my brother struggled with alcoholism in his young years. It was a very difficult time for, for him and for my family. And so I don't see any fruit from it. And what amazes me is the enemy's deception for this young generation thinking drinking and getting drunk is fun. The headaches have never been fun. The getting sick the next day has never been fun. I would rather be intoxicated with the presence of the Holy Spirit that I would feel the presence of the Spirit overwhelming me, controlling me, taking care of me, dealing with my emotions, dealing with my stress, dealing with the things that are going into my life than ever going to a drink or any other thing that numbs us. So, very plainly, very plainly, do not drink. Do not be drunk, excuse me, with wine, but is, which is dissipation. Uh, dissipation, let's see, uh, where is it? It's a waste of resources. <laughs> Absolutely the truth. I wanna share a few verses with you. Psalm 20, verse one says this. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Isn't it interesting that God knows really what it is all about? And you know what's interesting to me? Christians will say, well, Jesus turned water into wine. And if that's justification for getting drunk, you're not fully understanding the word of God. Jesus never condones drunkenness. Jesus was meeting a need in those days. But Bible says, wine is a mocker. Uh, Proverbs, here's another couple verses. I think these are important to see. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent, 
and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utterly, will utter, excuse me, (laughs) will utter perverse things. No good comes from it. Be careful with it. Make sure you're in control of it. Don't let alcohol control you. Better to have the spirit control you. Again, I spoke of my brother, and this was many, many years ago. I don't even think I was a Christian at the time, and I had come home uh, from work. My parents, uh, during the summers, would go to our, our summer home, their summer cottage, not too far from our home, and my brother and I were kind of left at the house by ourselves through the summer. And I came home late one day from work, and as I walked onto the back porch, there was my brother and all his buddies just partying it up big time. And I looked at him, and I kind of, I have a way of giving face, my wife calls it. I gave him face. Like, what do you think you're doing? And then I just, I didn't say anything, I just walked into the house. Well, he followed me into the house. I said, what's your problem? And I knew, even then, before knowing the Lord, I knew, this is not him speaking, this is the alcohol speaking. And he was offended because he felt like I judged him. And I looked at him and I said, you are dishonoring mom and dad. You are taking advantage of the very people that love you so very much. And you're having a party in their home when they've told us not to have people over. Listen, I broke that rule too, so I'm not no angel boy, even though Pastor RJ says I was angel boy. I was no perfect person. But what upset me is that my brother had the audacity to take advantage of my parents' home and throw a party. And again, he was an alcoholic. Again, he struggled with that. Later in, in, in our lives, we would deal with that, and he did come to the Lord and did quit drinking. Praise God for all of that. And he's in heaven with the Lord today. But that was one of the hardest and most difficult times because I saw a side of my brother I did not like. And so understand that when we get to that place, it's not a pretty place. It's not a time for us to, you know, live it up and and, and no. It's like better for the body of believers to be filled with the spirit than to be filled with alcohol. And I know in the days that we're living, this is probably a very hard message for people to hear. Are you kidding? But don't we need to hear it? Don't we need to be reminded that we need God more than we need anything else on this planet? You know, the enemy wants to just trick you. Come on over here. This will take away your pain. You know what it does? It takes you away from the Lord because you're not relying on God. You're relying on something else. So be careful. Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Be possessed by the Spirit. When we are filled by the Holy Spirit, it means that we are controlled by the Holy Spirit and he needs to control us, not alcohol, because we cannot control ourselves. And the interesting thing about this Verse, I want you to understand this. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled. That word be filled literally means be continually being filled. You don't get filled up once and that's it. It's a constant filling of the Holy Spirit. We need it every moment of every day. And God gives us spirit. He dwells in us. 
but he needs to fill us. He needs to re, re, we see it through the gospels. We see the Holy Spirit coming on someone as they preach the gospel. We see the Holy Spirit filling someone, and Peter and Paul and all, as they were being led by the Spirit. They had to have that filling, and so it's the same thing for us. We cannot think that we can live this life apart from the Spirit. Let's see, Matthew 24, I wanna read some verses here. It says, I indeed baptize you with water, this is John the Baptist, unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Again, the, the filling, the baptism, the upon experience of the Holy Spirit. Whoops. Acts chapter one, verse five, uh, Jesus says, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus, after his resurrection, tells the disciples, stay. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've ever read the gospels, the disciples look a whole lot different with the Spirit, don't they? They look a whole lot more powerful. And I think it's Acts 1.8 that says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses for me. We all need the Holy Spirit. You wanna walk in wisdom? You need to walk in the Spirit and ask God to fill you every day before you leave the house, almost before you put your feet on the floor out of your bed. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. So important, yet so overlooked in the church today. Much of the weakness and defeat in our spiritual lives is because of the lack of being filled by the Spirit. You want your life to change today? Ask God to fill you with His Spirit. God willingly and lovingly wants to give His Spirit to those who ask, and He will fill you. And this isn't something that we manufacture. The, the power of the Holy Spirit is something He comes on us and then He controls us. We don't control Him. And I'm not saying you're out of control. I'm not, I don't mean that. You're, the Holy Spirit will enable you to do things you couldn't do on your own. And so many in our day today try to sensationalize the experience of the Holy Spirit to look spiritual. We, we don't tell the Holy Spirit what to do. We just make ourselves available. Holy Spirit, do it. And I would also say it's not an option for the, for the believer. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Why do you need it? And what are the effects? That's what the last point. Verse 19 says, look what happens after the Spirit is filled. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. The effect of the Holy Spirit in your life changes your attitude, changes your language, the way you speak, the way you talk. Don't talk against people. Don't speak against another believer. I mean, we're supposed to be encouraging each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. It should change our interactions when we're living in God's wisdom under the power of the Holy Spirit. You can tell, can't you? You can tell when someone is being led by the spirit and someone is being led by the flesh. And that's, that's probably one of the hardest things for me in ministry or even as a Christian. When I see someone who's a believer acting in the flesh but justifying it 
because they're believers. No. If you truly have the Spirit in your life and you truly want to be led by the Spirit, you'll do everything in your power to make a bad situation better. Husbands and wives, right? We get in an argument. We, we fight. Whose responsibility is to make it right? <laughs> I wish I could say she was wrong. I would say both. But it is the man's responsibility. I received a text this weekend yesterday from somebody in our fellowship saying that they and his wife had a very big fight. And that, uh, well, I won't go into more details, but my response to him is, what did you do? And his first response back is, why is it my fault? <laughs> and my response back to him is, because you're the head of the household and you're the spiritual leader. And I don't care if she's blatantly wrong. I don't care if she, I don't care. You're the spiritual leader. You're the one that's supposed to take control. You're the one to get to the truth. And that's the reality. Who ate of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden? Who said Adam? I love it. <laughs> Eve ate, Adam a louder. I'll give you that. Who did, come, who did God come looking for? Came looking for Adam. Adam, where are you? What's that? <laughs> Adam, where are you? Why? Because he's the leader because he was the one the responsible. He was the one that should have been caring for his wife, guiding his wife. And listen, that's as convicting to me as much as anybody else. To lead our houses in the Lord. And when you're in a fight, the flesh loves to raise its ugly head. I say it to all couples. I'm like, when you guys are fighting, somebody needs to say, time out, let's pray. And that sure is not an easy thing. You need the spirit to do that. And then pray and ask God to help you through this situation. Speaking to no other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, unless you're wronged. Doesn't say that, does it? Unless you've been offended. Doesn't say that, does it? It keeps going on. It says giving thanks always for all things. So giving thanks to God. There's always a reason to give thanks to the Lord. He saved you. That's one that you can keep on thanking him for for your entire life. And then finally, verse 21. This is interesting to me because, you know, many of you are probably already reading ahead and seeing wives submit to your own husbands. Make sure I'm here for that sermon. Why do people neglect verse 21? Submitting to one another. There should be a mutual submission before Paul, you know, before Paul gets into the the, the positions, the wives submitting to husbands, children submitting to the uh, parents, uh, bond servants to their masters. There's, an, there's a rule, there's, a, there's a, an authority, there's a, a ranking, if you will, that God has set in place. And so God has called them, the man to be the head of the wife. But he, Paul is very wisely saying, we need to submit to one another. We need to submit, and submission today is such a bad word, isn't it? But isn't it interesting when we talk about submitting to the Lord? We have no problem with that. Why? Because he loves us and he has our best interest at heart. And with that understanding, 
it should be a pleasure for all of us to submit to the Lord, to submit to one another, wives submitting to their husbands, husbands submitting to the Lord and loving their wives. We're gonna get into all that. But there should be a mutual submission. There should be a mutual love for each other. There's too much bickering in the church today. There's too much infighting. Paul's saying, don't, don't allow that. And that's by walking in wisdom. It's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you love and respect the Lord, you'll look at other people in the Lord and realize they are of great value. And because of that, notice it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You don't submit to someone because they're smarter than you. You don't submit to someone because they're more equipped than you. You submit, you submit to someone else because it pleases God. And when you truly want to please God, you will willingly submit to them. So walking in wisdom means knowing God's will for your life. It means walking in the Holy Spirit. And it means you change your attitude towards others. Nowhere in here. If you're under the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna speak kindly. You're gonna speak graciously. You're gonna give people the benefit of the doubt. You're gonna do what's right. Now, I'm not saying roll over and be a, someone to be walked over you. But I'm saying, have the wisdom of God and let grace flow through you. That's what he wants. So I'm gonna ask us, as we enter into this time of communion, as the worship team comes back up, as we think about what Jesus has done for us, I want us to be thinking about these things. God, do I know your will? Am I, am I submitted to your will? Am I accepting your will? Am I being filled with the Holy Spirit? Lord, I need the Spirit in my life. And maybe my attitude towards others is not right, Lord. So let this be a time where we let God speak to our lives and say, Lord, I remember what you've done for me. And now you've called me and asked me to do certain things for you. And I want to please you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, as always. What an amazing few verses that we just read. And God, we pray that you would, in fact, pour out your spirit upon us, fill us with your spirit so that we can walk in your ways, so that we can crucify the flesh, as the Apostle Paul says. And Lord, forgive us for trying to take control, forgive us for trying to do things in our own strength apart from you. May we all understand today that the Holy Spirit is available to us 24 seven, 365 days a year. And forgive us God for not listening to the Spirit, for not moving in the Spirit, for trying to do things our way. We know we're not wiser. We know that we're not more intelligent than you, God. You know all things and can do all things. There is nothing impossible for you. So as we enter into our time of communion and remembering our Savior Jesus dying on a cross, shedding his blood for our sins.
that for those of us who put our faith and trust in him and him alone, salvation is assured. There's no question. We know if it was up to us, Lord, we would be in question. Am I good enough? Have I done enough? But when it's based on what Jesus has done, we know it's more than enough. His words, it is finished, remind us that there's nothing more we can do to save ourselves anymore. We just need to stay in that place of grace, stay in that place of submission to our Lord and Savior. And I pray for all who are here this morning that they too would have that assurance that as they hold the elements in their hands that they realize this was perfection. This was God in flesh coming to take our place, to pay our price for the sin that we've committed. And none are disqualified. All are welcome. None are forced. And so God, help us to remember that you willingly went to the cross for us. And we can't thank you enough. Until that day you bring us home, Lord, we're gonna continue to thank you. We can't wait to be with you. But thank you for the spirit that dwells with us that we can live on this side of heaven being very heavenly minded. And it's all for your glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.